From the E. Craig Wall Senior College of Business at Coastal Carolina University, this is Beyond the Wall. I'm Peter Gasker. The word inaugural, which is defined as marking the beginning of an institution or activity, actually is derived from France in the 1560s. Now, back then in France, religion played a very significant role in everybody's lives and in political lives as well, so much so that it gave rise to the great religious revolution known as the Reformation when people casually swapped out their religious beliefs for Roman Catholic, and that happened all throughout Europe. So, it shouldn't be a surprise that the word inauguration has a holy, holy connotation. It adheres closely to the word, actually, inauguratio, or consecration. Further, according to its etymology, inauguratio more precisely meant to endeavor to obtain the sanction of the gods to something which had been decreed by man. Okay? It was, in no short order, a ceremony by which things or persons were consecrated by the gods. And so it is, that was a long lead up, and so it is that we find ourselves in the inaugural episode of Beyond the Wall, ceremoniously set amongst the heavens and at the feet of the gods, decreed by man, in this particular case, decreed by a woman, to bear our wares and our vices for the approval of powers and causes far greater than us. This episode, dare I say, is sanctioned by the gods. There, I said it. Indeed, I do believe that this episode is... Uh, wait a minute. Okay, I just received a text from God himself. No, 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 he does not approve of this at all. Okay, okay, so, so, okay, so scratch, scratch the, 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 the consecration part. Uh, let's look at a different definition. Uh, inauguration also has its root in the word inaugurare, which means to take omens from the flight of birds. So maybe in the end, that's probably more appropriate that these episodes are more for our feathered friends. In this episode, indeed our first inaugural episode, we talk about studying. And not just any studying, but studying effectively in this profoundly strange age of isolation we find ourselves. When the choices that face our students are studying for statistics, or sleeping until two in the afternoon. Now we have all been told that one of these options is better than the other. But in reality, there is only one way to set us ourselves up for learning success. And that is, that is the answer kind of depends. And so that's what we'll discuss today with our guest, Nicole Byersdorf, an MBA student returning to school after working over two decades in the real world. Um, she's going to share with us her tips for transitioning from one learning environment to an entirely new and unique and almost unprecedented working environment and how to successfully set yourself up for success, which you may even be surprised includes sleeping until 2 p.m. in the afternoon.
When it comes to having your learning environment turned completely upside down, one group of people that I know that can speak to this experience personally are MBA students. Why? Because most MBA students come from industry where they've been working routines, yeah, you know, the type of, you know, they wake up every morning at the same time, they go to bed at the, time, you know, at the same time, they have their weekends off where they can turn off their, their minds. Okay, so when working professionals quit and go back to get their MBA, they're often thrust into one of the most difficult learning situations that any adult can go through. That's why our guest today is perfect for talking about how to maximize the learning experience in the profound and ambiguous situation we find ourselves in. Nicole Bayersdorf is a current MBA student at the Wall College of Business. She's also a 25-year human resource management industry veteran who runs her own business, CHRC, a human resource and talent management company. Thank you for joining us, Nicole. Thank you for having me. So, so I just want to start um, by asking you, like, how was the transition? Now, you've been in industry for you know over 20 years. Like, what was it like getting back into the learning routine? <laughs> well. Um, my undergraduate career was nothing stellar, <clears throat> so I had to um, I had to I had to kind of learn how to go back to school, and had to uh, figure it out as far as like where you know how what what kind of hours I had no idea what I was walking into. I remember telling the advisor Stacy that I just wanted to take just one class. I thought maybe if I just start with one, that would be, you know, that would be good. So that way I could just like baby step my way into it. And she said, oh, no, no, you, you take three or four. And I thought that was insane. Uh, so I went with it. I, I did the three and it was, it was rough the first semester trying to figure out how I was going to work that in with family and um, my, my job. And then I, went really crazy and took on the GA position. And so it was a lot, but uh, you know, you figure it out. I mean, that's, that's what you do. It's it, you, you learn that in life, you learn that in business and mm -hmm. you get stuff thrown at you and you, you just, you figure it out. And so that's what I did. So you, you're, you're managing a business, you know, students right now, some of them have essential jobs. Some of them are trying to find jobs because they're trying to figure out how to make money over the summertime. So, I, what what kind of things do you do to prioritize and manage the limited amount of time that you have to balance in the studies that you have going on? Well, that I mean, that's just it. You just prioritize. You make a list and you you put the list together and, and you say, this is what I have to accomplish today. Um, and that's what you do. That That's what I do. I have some things that I know that I can kind of push off to the side if I need to. Uh, I recently enlisted the help of my kids because they're at home. So um, my daughter's 16. I actually had her do some um, cut and paste work that I needed to do <laughs> for some policies. So, um, so you know, you're creative. And if it means staying up till three in the morning to get it done, then you stay up till three in the morning to get it done. Um, and that's, you know, it, it's just, it's a matter, it's, discipline for me. It's all about discipline, making sure so, this is absolutely what I have to get done. And these are my deadlines and work through it. Now, do you have a daily routine that you go through? <laughs> kind of. Um, I, 
I have a routine in the sense that I get up pretty much at the same time every day, um, try to do the dinner thing at the same time every day. But my routine is, it, it can be different. Like today, I'm a, I am a, um, what do you call it? A, a partner in a property management company. And so we, we still have rental units that we rent out. And so today was a turnover day and I had to go and, and do one of the, the walkthroughs. We had new tenants moving in. So that was at 11 o'clock this morning. Well, that doesn't happen every day. So my routine is not necessarily routine in the sense that I do, you know, at 10 o'clock I do this, at you know, 11 o'clock I do this because it switches up day to day. Um, so my routine is I get up and I get going. Right. I totally, I totally get that. I, I, uh, I used to be an, uh, an evening person. I'm a person who usually used to, especially in college, used to really thrive at night. And I can tell you from speaking to most of the students that I've spoken with over the last couple of weeks, because I've been having Zoom calls at one or two o'clock in the afternoon, they're definitely evening people. Like, you know, they're getting up at two o'clock in the afternoon to have a Zoom call with me. Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, but there's a lot of science that talks about the importance of having a routine, waking up at the same time every day, even if you don't go to bed at the same time. Um, do you Do you find it in your experience of your own personal experience, but also working with students, like how important is having a routine and what kind of ways can can students form their own routines? So my my teenage kids are in training to be undergrads um, because they have changed being homeschooled at this time. They have really changed their their pattern. And so, yeah, they'll stay up till two o'clock in the morning and roll out of bed at like one. And and I remember like. I had scheduled a Zoom with the students at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I had one student send me an, a text message and apologize that he missed the Zoom and that he set his alarm four different times to wake up for the Zoom at 10 a.m. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think like, why, why, you know, 10 o'clock, that seems very reasonable to me. And then it clicked and I said, oh my gosh, he's setting an alarm to wake up at 10. My kids are not out of bed at 10 o'clock. So yeah, it's, um, you know, they, yeah, they're, they're in a completely different routine. And when you don't have to get up, if you don't have to get out of bed, that, that I think is probably the struggle that the students are having right now is that they don't have a class that they necessarily have to be at. They don't have a Zoom that they have to jump on. They don't have a job that they're going to. And so, you know, I, I would be doing that too. I probably would be sitting in my jammies, in bed, relaxing. And so the, the routine I think is important because you're gonna run out of time if you don't have one. And that that's gonna be a downfall I think for the students is, you know, if you don't get up until two o'clock in the afternoon um, there's not a lot of time left to truly get things done, even though they stay up late, but are they being productive at, at one o'clock in the morning? Maybe they are. I, that's, that's, that's actually what I tell a lot of the students that come up because they feel guilty. Like they're on the zoom call and they feel guilty that they're waking up at two o'clock, scratching their eyes. And I'm like, it's totally fine. Yeah. If that is your routine, then maximize that routine at that point. Like if you're more productive from 11 PM to 2 AM, 
you know, just make sure that you're productive during that time. Right. right? But, you know, but you have to have that consistency because when you don't have that consistency, your body, your brain doesn't get used to, you know, being up at, you know, that one time you wake up at eight o'clock in the morning because you have a call and you're not used to doing it, that's when you're tired. Right. You know, but once you get into a routine, it actually helps out quite a bit. So what about like the environment that you're in? Um, what do you tell, like, again, from what your experience and what you tell students, like how important is it to have, uh, to set yourself up with a, a certain environment or a study area so that you can maximize the learning at that point? Well, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I, I have a dedicated office space. And so I guess when I think about students working, that's what I tend to think of. But I know that's not true as I talk to some of them. And, and I just talked to one of my students that uh, he, he said, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to get out of here and have my own space because, you know, I'm sure a lot of them, many of my students anyway, ended up back home. They, they went on spring break, they went home and that's where they're at. And so they, they have transitioned from being an adult living on their own to being an adult living at their parents' house or, you know, in another family member's house. And that, that's difficult, that, that, that change is difficult. So on top of that, trying to find a space that they can actually sit and, and listen to um, a podcast or, or be on a Zoom and not be interrupted is, I'm sure, incredibly difficult for a lot of them. Um, you know, they might have somebody in the house that, that is not necessarily, I don't wanna say disrespectful about it, but doesn't truly understand you know, not being interruptive and, and let them kind of have that time. So um, I know they're all in different environments and probably the um, best advice would be if you have to get creative, get creative. I have a puppy and I was at home by myself. I had to do a recording, a training for a client and she would not be quiet for me to do the training. I ended up upstairs in my daughter's walk-in closet in the very back to be able to record so you couldn't hear my dog whining and barking in the background. So if you have to get in your car and drive, get in your car and drive. If you have to go outside, go outside. Um, if you have to go hang out in a closet, go hang out in a closet. But it's, you know, try to find a place that is consistent if you can. Try to keep your schoolwork all in one place. You know where everything's at. That's very important. Um, try to find a spot that is not a place where you sleep or you relax. If uh, your bedroom is it and that's where you have, then try to sit on the floor with some pillows and not in the bed um, because your brain works different when you're in bed. You know, it thinks it's bedtime, not, um, not study time. So mm. get creative. Yeah, I, think, I, I think the consistency is the key, right? Like if you, and there's a lot of studies and a lot of research that show that if you study in the same environment that you take a test, right. you're more likely to recall that information. So if you are laying in your bed and you have Game of Thrones in the background and you're trying to learn chemistry, so when you go to take that test, it's hard to recall that information because you don't have the same stimulus. 100% agree with not getting into a comfortable situation. Believe it or not, I have young, you know, I have a 14 year old and a nine year old. We make them get out of bed and sit at their desk to do their homework because you know, if you're laying in your bed, you're associating bed with that. And it also makes it hard to sleep also. Yeah. So I think being consistent, you're right about that. Having a consistent work environment, 
Um, and I think it really depends on the type of person that you are. You know, I'm the type of, I cannot handle distraction. If I have TV in the background, I am, I am a hundred percent going to be enthralled with that. I have to have a quiet environment. Other people love having a noise or a sound machine or something next to them to help them study. So you got to find where your sweet spot is, but you have to be consistent. So you don't expect to do well on your, your final exam if you are studying, you know, you know, while you're taking a walk or watching something on TV. Yeah, you um, can't you can't study for you can't study statistics and watch Grey's Anatomy at the same time. It doesn't work. I think there's some people that could. And um, it's, it, it, it yeah. pisses me off to no end because like they can actually they can binge watch and study and do amazingly. There are those people that can do that. I'm just not that person. <laughs> You know, if I, I don't even, I don't watch Grey's Anatomy either. What is like on, it's on season 28 or something like that. I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm not even going to try to get caught up, but yeah. But anything in the background that, that is distracting, even, even music, this is a good example. Cause I've had students ask me like, what kind of music mm-hmm. is best to listen to? And you know, if you Google searched uh, study music, you'll get, you know, alpha ray, alpha music and gamma music and all sorts of weird stuff. But I don't like that either. But I also can't listen to any music with lyrics. So I think it comes down to having what the person's sweet spot is. Right. Uh, to, 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 I mean, do you have a, do you listen to music when you study? So I like classical um, because I don't necessarily like the quiet. So I do like to listen to classical. Um, I bought some tapes, you know, this one's for motivation, this one's for productivity, this one's for relaxation, whatever. But I will tell you that in putting together material for the students, I, the, the Mozart effect, you know, I think it's what I've read. It's, it's a myth, not a myth, but it's not effective. It's not what they said it would be. So it's, if there is any kind of improvement, it's, it's very little, it's not consistent across the board. Um, I've read some stuff about the younger generation that they truly do have this ability to be able to multitask and listen to music with words and also study at the same time. But I, I personally can't. I would be singing along to whatever it is that's going on in the song. Um, so I can't, I have to listen to something that's just music in the background. Gotcha. All right. So, uh, you mentioned we, in our, we were having a discussion offline about getting help and reaching out. And, you know, one of the things I'm just going to introduce this by saying, you know, uh, the students that I work with and the students that I have had conversations with, I a hundred percent encourage them to reach out to their professors if they are not understanding content, if they are not understanding an assignment, because we're all in this together. And I hate saying that because it sounds cliche, but even the faculty and some of the teachers that are out there have never taught online, are used to being in front of people. Mm-hmm. So have, don't use Moodle. And now they're being forced to put assignments on Moodle and try to get content across in an environment that they're not used to teaching. So I always encourage them, like if you, if you need help or better yet, even if you are not getting something and you, you feel like you could help a professor, which for a lot of students just blows their mind that like I can actually make a recommendation to a professor, I say go do it. Um, and you talked a little bit about that too. And again, because you, you come from industry, you are going into the graduate program. Like how, uh, what is your experience with like, and, 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 you, and you assist undergraduate students who are you know, learning how to learn, uh, struggling with learning, like what, how do you encourage them to get more active and take a more active role with talking to the professors? 
So, you know, as, as an undergraduate, I'm pretty sure that I never talked to any of my instructors. Uh, I don't really remember it. And I remember them being just this completely separate entity. It was the big lecture hall and, you know, what, what would I go talk to them for? So I didn't. So I, and I remember that. I remember that vividly. It is very different today. Uh, last semester, there in one of our classes, our instructor told us, well, when you work this problem through, you should get like 26.7 something or whatever. So our little study group, we sat in the library and we we're working on this problem and we did it like six different times, three different ways, trying to figure it out. We could never come up with that number. And so I said, well, I'm just gonna send them an email. So I sent an email and in class, this is what you said. Um, but we've done this and this and this, we can't figure it out, you know? And so, and he responded, oh, you know, I guess the memory doesn't work so well anymore or whatever. You're right, that's the right answer, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I share that story with my students because part of the learning process is personal growth. And if you are intimidated by talking to other people, that's gonna prohibit you from truly growing in a profession. And so, the, they're, they're not, the instructors are not gonna bite back. They're not gonna yell at you. They're not, you know, and so, but getting, getting the students to understand that and realize that that's where the connection happens. The connection happens when you can have a conversation about it. So I share that story. Um, I've challenged my, my instructors with different things, um, you know, and I think that, that the, the students need to learn how to do it in a respectful manner. I think that's, that's part of that growth process. But if it's done out of respect and it's done with good intent, there's absolutely no reason why the student should not reach out to those instructors. And they want, like we, we as instructors want them to ask, we mm -hmm. want them to learn, we want to have those conversations. And so when they close themselves off, I mean, honestly, it kind of sucks as an instructor, if you're teaching a class and everybody's like, okay, any question? No, and they all leave, kind of sad. So so that, that engagement piece of it, I think comes with maturity, um, but you know, and, and I think the instructors can do a better job too, quite honestly. I um, I, I actually, there was, there was research recently that I posted in my 120 class that undergraduate students are actually scared to go visit faculty in office hours. And now that I'm on the opposite side as a faculty, I have the conversations with my faculty people and we sit around and we go, why aren't anybody coming to our office hours? I don't understand why we have to have office hours. And it's because undergraduates are scared. Now I'm probably, I'm in your boat. Like I, as an undergrad, I had no problem going into a, a professor's office and saying, hey, I need help or, you know, I'm struggling. Most of it was just a kiss up mm -hmm. and maybe I was a borderline C or B and I was like, ah, if I show up, maybe he'll see where he is, you know, he'll bump me to that B or whatever it is. Yeah. And it was a total kiss up job. And even kissing up, re you know, resulted in some profound conversations with my professors. You know, even though that wasn't my intention to, you know, to, 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 to edify myself, to learn more, I walked away and I'm, it's a stories for a different time but I walked away with more information than I was like, oh, that was actually probably pretty worth it. But a lot of students are scared to go to office hours. So I encourage everybody like you do, talk to your professors, you know, don't be scared of them. They're not stagnant, you know, they're just, they're people too, right? We're all going through the same thing. So 
with that said, um, I think you know from from this conversation, and and by, and by the way, you uh, uh, Nicole has great videos up on the Wall College uh, website. References to you know it goes much more in detail to her experience and what she is teaching her students to learn better to set up this environment. Um, I think the three takeaways I took away is you know one is develop a routine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, don't. But don't necessarily feel like you have to wake up at 6 a.m. every morning. Right. You know, you have to get the routine that works for you. Uh, number two is set up your space. Mm-hmm. Steady in a, you know, in, a, in a space that works for you. Uh, there's a lot of research and a lot of articles out there that talk about, you know, like you said, Mozart is the best music to learn from. Or sitting at a desk is the best environment to learn. You just find what works for you. And more importantly... Do what you need to do to pass the test, right? Do what you need to look, do to learn the information that you need to get yourself to the next level. Um, and then third, reach out. You know, don't be scared to ask for help if you need help because that is, you know, the quintessential everything. Even if you don't understand anything from this 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 podcast or this discussion, then reach out and ask for help about how to study because everybody's got, you know, all the faculty went through the same thing the students are going through right now, right? We all went through an undergraduate experience, you know, you're going through your MBA experience now. Faculty have gone through PhD experiences, which are horrible from my understanding, (laughs) you know, so they all understand what it takes to study and they're all willing to help. Most, okay, I shouldn't say all, most, (laughs) most are willing to help. The vast majority of the ones I know are willing to help. So, you know, with that said, um, thank you, Nicole, for spending your time with us. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, do you have any, uh, like, well, we'll post your, your contact information in the show notes so people can reach out to you if they have specific questions, right. any parting words? Yeah. You know, my number one piece of advice when studying for finals, because we have finals coming up, right. Is use active recall, go on Quizlet, anything that can jog your brain to try to retrieve information, um, that. That is a huge, huge help that we've seen a lot of good results. And there's a lot of research out there that um, it's the number one thing. I've got students that say, you know, I studied and studied and studied. Yeah, you read the material six times. You didn't study. So active (laughs) recall, get on Quizlet, use the flashcards, struggle with it, get it out of your brain, and you're going to do great on those final exams. Yeah, we could totally spend a whole, I mean, maybe we will, maybe we'll do a whole podcast active on active recall. Yeah. Because I'm, it's that important, right? It is. And we really, and we really just totally, and that was my fault. We totally glossed over that. That's and okay. I think you'd be a good resource for that. So, uh, but again, thank you for your time. Um, and we will hopefully see you again soon. Yeah. Thanks. It was fun. And that does it for today's show. This episode was produced by me, Peter Gaska, the director of the Community and Business Engagement Institute at Coastal Carolina University. Music for this episode was developed and mixed by Jeffrey Lippert and by bensound.com. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the host and the guest and do not reflect the opinions of Coastal Carolina University, for sure. Thank you for joining us. This has been Beyond the Wall.